Hey, what's up? Welcome to the ninth episode of Movie Dumpster. Today we're talking Monster in the Closet, directed by Bob Dolan from 1986. I'm Joel Escola. I'm Sean O'Rourke. And I'm Connor the Professor McGraw. Welcome to the dumpster. Wasn't no snake that dragged Mary Lou Caldwell 15 feet across the room. Wasn't no snake that picked up Joe Shempter's dog and hung it on the closet door. No, sir, Mr. Clark. We ain't talking about no snake here. What we got here is a homicidal maniac. So, trauma movies. Oh, God, I forgot this was a trauma movie. <laughs> yeah, but wait, it was distributed by trauma. It's not necessarily a trauma movie, though. Oh, okay. See, that part I glossed over. I was about to say, how do you sell someone in a trauma movie without traumatizing them just from the description? Most of those flicks are just distributed by them. They don't necessarily make them. They, like, buy them and then redistribute them. Oh, okay. So they, okay. Not all of them. Like, that officially gets them some goodwill back from me because I sat through Bloodsucking Freaks a long time ago and wanted to burn the whole studio down. Yeah, no. Uh, like, Toxic Avenger is one of their properties, and, like, Sergeant Kapoogie Man, Poultrygeist, uh, you know, shit like that. I mean, it, it's produced by Michael Herz and Lloyd Kaufman, but it's not necessarily, uh, it wasn't made by Troma. Interesting. As is this strange movie, which is totally all over the fucking place. It's funny because now we're doing this episode, and the previous episode we did was Sukiyaki Western Django, and that was, the, that was uh, one of the first movies Sean and I wanted to do together, and then... Before that, uh, Connor and I were gonna we're gonna start a review thing, uh, a review show, and it was this movie. So I got to do both of these films <laughs> with both of the guys that I was gonna create different uh, review shows with. So this is fun that we're doing this. This movie plays like an Atomic Age movie, like it plays like big giant monster movies from the, from the fifties. This movie, it, like it's like the camera and the music and certain like the filmmakers are like this is serious. And then everyone on screen is like, <laughs> no, it isn't. But that's what makes it good, I feel like. Like, they're taking it, like, it's so corny, but, like, they're taking it seriously, you know what I mean? Sure they are. The filmmakers are like, this is a very serious movie, and it's gonna be a very serious time. And then you get on screen, it's like, that's a child whose mother calls him professor, and, um... That man's playing a xylophone, wandering around some shitty-ass neighborhood. Well, again, like, it harkens back to those Atomic Age movies where you have, like, this rampant monster on the loose that is totally indestructible, and these these oddball characters that have to, to have to figure out this secret way to bring it down. The army can't stop it! You know, nothing can stop it except the most least likely thing. It's War of the Worlds. Yeah, well, it's like them. Well, no, it's not even like them. It's like it's like Godzilla. Kind of. If, if Godzilla the whole time looked like this. <sighs> like a gaping butthole with teeth? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, don't they make a Godzilla joke at one point? They make a King Kong joke at the very end. And they also do the, they do a Godzilla one. Oh, I missed the Godzilla one. It's like, oh, it's goddamn Godzilla you're dealing with there. Okay, I can't wait to talk about him, so I guess let's just dive in. <laughs> oh, the worst character in the movie? He's not the worst character. Oh, he's the fuck, well, he might be the second worst behind Scoop. Uh, Scoop sucks. He calls himself Scoop. Yeah, I'm on the beat there. So there's a bunch of killings that have been occurring inside closets throughout this place called Chestnut Hills in California. And there is this oddball 
reporter whose main thing is doing obituaries. You mean, uh... Clark Kent? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Richard Clark, who works at the Daily News. Like, okay. His last name is Clark. He's the biggest dime store Christopher Reeve I've ever seen. It's beautiful. And he loves crunch bars. He might be the only dime store Christopher Reeve I've ever seen. Now, nobody likes this guy in the newspaper, okay? He's a fucking heel, and everybody thinks he's an idiot and can't do any reporting whatsoever because it's like dad owns the paper or some shit like that. So he goes to see the chief and he's like, come on, chief, I I really want a good story. I I know I can give you a good story. So their star reporter comes in, Scoop, and this guy's a real asshole, okay? He's he's like one of those, he's he's one of those guys that comes in, he's like, hey, Here's the thing. Here, like, Scoop is your friend's dad who you, you really fucking don't like, and he constantly makes bad jokes, whilst also looking like a creature of pestilence with sunken-in eyeballs and gross blonde hair and an offensive chin. Everything about him is terrible. He's like a coke-fueled creepy uncle. <laughs> like, no, we don't want you at the birthday party. Go home, Uncle Scoop. <laughs> uncle Scoop. Hey, and then he's like, well, what, what, what are you talking about? Everyone's having a great time. What are you talking about? Ah, I'm having a great time. I bring the cocaine. It'd be great. Hey, 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 hey. Give me a martini. So he comes into the office. He's like, hey, Clark, you're a real asshole. Oh, he calls him Dickie Boy because his first name's Richard. So his name's Richard Clark. Oh. Ah, Dick Clark. <laughs> he's like, hey, Dickie Boy, you still writing them obituaries? As he stands in front of a fucking newspaper hanging on the wall, it just says Stalin is dead in massive type. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see that at all. There's all kinds of psych gags like that in this. It's funny as shit. There's a Tom Selleck poster. Yeah, in the beginning, yeah. Yeah, in the beginning is pretty funny. You can like totally see like his whole junk and it's like right in the camera as this woman gets pulled into a closet and eaten. I, I wanna say on that for one second before we go back to scoop, because in that beginning intro you see a bunch of people get killed. Well, you see closet doors open, people enter the closets, and then I guess in place of blood and guts, all these people are basically made up of pants shirts and belts inside their system instead of organs the reason i wanted to go back to this specifically is because there's this one character who who eats it named old joe who's this blind fucking piece of shit it's fucking john carradine man oh is that (laughs) yeah and he's like, oh, oh, Garbanzo, where the fuck are you? Get my slippers, you little bastard. Yeah, and he's he's taking his cane and, like, whacking it, like, into things. Like, what, okay, like, this guy needs to fucking die if he's going to hit this dog with this cane because he won't bring him his slippers. There's one point where he just, like, turns around and just cracks the shit out of all this stuff on a shelf, like a lamp and shit. He's like, ah, that dog, that son of a bitch. His apartment should have just been full of, like, broken furniture and shit because he just keeps rampantly swinging his fucking walking stick around all the time. He's like, Ah, you're good at playing hide-and-seek there, Garbanzo. Well, you must be hiding in this face. Ah! So he he gets uh, eaten by the monster. Yes, and uh, and then Fergie passes out, doesn't she? Well, Fergie doesn't fuck around when it comes to hide-and-seek. No, no, Fergie's the little girl, not the older one. Yeah, well, Fergie, wait, did she get eaten or did she the one who who fainted? The uh, the fainted one was the one who couldn't figure out how to open a lock. That was the first kill. That was like one of the the college students. Fergie's the little girl with the pigtails and the fucking cookies on her fingers with the milk mustache that's so goddamn disgusting I just wanted to wipe it off her mouth like every time they showed it. We should mention that this movie not only has Fergie, uh, not only has uh, uh, What's-His-Nuts from The Thing, whose name I constantly forget. Donald Moffat? Oh my god, he's the fucking best. Also, it has, I'm gonna call him, fuck it, the late great Paul Walker, who is, I don't know how fucking old in this movie, he's a child. Let, let's just call it as it is. This is the tribute episode to Paul Walker. This is his first role ever as the professor. 
and he's like eight years old. <laughs> the shock that washed over me, I was like, that can't be the Paul Walker. <laughs> the one and only. His film career is so bizarre. So, yeah, everybody gets eaten in the beginning. It's lots of lots of... They get eaten to this comedic sound effect, which is basically... It's like Tasmanian Devil giving somebody... Ra- it's Rawhead Rex giving someone raspberries. Oh, no, he's back. And now he's in your closet. He's going to get you. Damn it, Rawhead. It sounds like... Blah, 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 but it also has this little mouth inside. It's like this little snake mouth that comes out, and it makes this fucking crazy sound. It sounds like... No, it sounds like... It sounds like notes on a xylophone. Yeah, apparently, as we'll find out. So Clark is in uh, the chief's office, and he's trying to get a good story, right? He's like, come on, chief. He's like, you know, I I, I could do it. I could, let me prove myself. And uh, he's like, nah, just go write the obituaries. You're fine. So Scoop comes in. He's like chewing on some gum, and he like sits down, and he like goes to throw it out. He pulls like an old newspaper clipping out of the garbage from like three weeks ago, and it's like, you know, uh, closet murders, or third closet murder in California or some shit like that. And he basically like folds it up and puts it in his pocket and then takes it out. He's like, oh, he's like, hey, Clark, you could work on my story. It's about a monster in a closet. And, like, the chief goes along with it, too. Like, he's a real dickhead, too. Yeah. (laughs) He just shakes his head like he's going to say something and never does. He's like, all right, kid, go for it. Everyone in this movie is fucking inept. The only one that isn't is Richard. Yeah, every person in this movie who's in a position of authority is an idiot. So Clark is, like, super psyched, and he, like, runs out of the office, and Scoop has a good laugh. And, uh... You know, he starts going to report on this case. Now, there hasn't been a killing in three weeks, except there's a brand new fresh one uh, that had just happened. So Clark starts investigating and he goes down to the police station and he meets Claude Atkins as the sheriff. Uh, what's it? Was it Sheriff Ketchum? Ketchum all. Sheriff Ketchum. And he's like, come on in my office. I want to talk to you, boy. Let me get my spittoon out. Yeah, goddammit, I'm going to fucking chew my tobacco. So Clark's talking to the sheriff and the sheriff's like, all right. That fucking lady from the college came down and said it would look like a like a big old snake bitter, but you know what? Ain't no goddamn snake. It's a goddamn homicidal maniac. <laughs> I really thought you were gonna slide into touch of Satan real fast there. What we got here is a fromacidal maniac. What? Before he talks to the sheriff, he meets a professor. Uh, who's this little, he's this little boy who's like really, really smart. And he's recording sounds on his uh, little recorder. And uh, Clark's going to get a candy bar because this guy loves Nestle Crunch Bars, apparently. And he eats them throughout the whole goddamn movie. Product placement. I wonder how much Nestle gave this movie. That's where we get all these explosions from later, I, guess, I think. He's a hellacious diabetic. It gives you energy, strong bones and muscles. <laughs> of course it does. It's a blast of sugar. So the professor's like, Hey, uh, can you get that candy bar and machine? I want I want to take an audio of you getting it out cuz it was like one of those old cigarette machines. It's a vending machine you wouldn't see in this time period unless you're in my city. We have we have shit like that that's that's that old and it's probably set up as some kind of like look at this quaint little antique that doesn't work anymore, but go ahead and fuck with it. What kind of cigarettes do you want? Lucky strikes? Yeah, exactly. That's the only time I've ever seen those kind of vending machines used was in cigarettes. He gets two chocolate bars and he gives one to Professor and Professor's like, No, I can't have chocolate, my mom doesn't let me and then there's like a fucking time wipe and it's like three chocolate bars later and they're chatting it up. Uh, <laughs> these fucking subtitles are so stupid. They're rampant. They add nothing to the movie. It's like I'm fucking watching a uh, point-and-click adventure video game, for God's sakes. There were so many of them, it almost led you to believe that this was going to be a globetrotter. I was like, the fucking audacity on you guys right now. 
I'm not leaving this neighborhood. I was just waiting for the subtitle, Carmen San Diego is in San Diego, or whatever the fuck. There's like a PSA right in the beginning, it's like, what you're about to see is unexplicable and unexplainable. And sometimes unexplainable, inexplicable things happen to unexplainable, inexplicable people. <laughs> that kind of stuff makes me agree with what you were saying, Joe, that it's like a, a throw-up to like the 50s kind of monster movie, is that there's a lot of like stuff like that in the movie, but it sandwiched in between all that, it just seems like nobody else got that memo i I don't know like i think they know what's going on it's obviously like a con it's kind of like a comedy too i mean they they're they're definitely aware of what's the actors i mean especially with the constant uh tobacco spitting from the fucking police chief yeah as he picks up the literal spittoon in his hand like a baby which by the way there's no like i work with animals i work in a hospital my threshold for gross shit is pretty high I cannot stomach watching someone chew and spit tobacco. It is the grossest thing I've ever seen. So Professor's mom comes in and she's like a big shot at the college. Who, by the way, Professor's mom doesn't call her son by his name. She just calls him Professor. He is credited only as Professor. Yeah, we don't know this kid's real name. Or where his dad is. (laughs) His first name is Doctor. Doctor Professor. (laughs) Doctor Professor. So she comes and she's like, what are you doing giving my boy chocolate? And he's like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with a little chocolate. She's like, A, it's bad for your teeth. B, it's bad for your body. C, it's bad for your skin. And she's like, you can poison your own kids on your own time. So she takes the kid and leaves. And he's like, man, what a bitch. (laughs) What a weird lady. She's called her son Professor. I have no idea what's going on. Yeah, nobody's like, why? What? Why are we calling this kid Professor? Like, is is it like a gag? You know what I mean? Like like Doc from The Shining, you know? He looks like a professor, doesn't he? (laughs) It's like a joke that, like, maybe two people got and just ran with it. And this is when the police chief is like, oh, yeah, that's uh, that's some crazy lady from the university who came in here telling me about the... What is it? He, then that's when he says that she implied a snake did this because all the victims were found with two little tiny holes in their body. Nope, it's a vampire. He's like, it was, they were a goddamn inch long, old fucking gapes in the necks. It wasn't no snake, I'm telling you right now. He's saying this as if there's no such thing as a giant snake who could drag you around your apartment and kill you. I, there is none. <laughs> Well, there is. They just wouldn't be hanging out in California. <laughs> there is no snake with an inch fucking fang. Like an inch an, an inch diameter fang. No, I'm talking about he is he's acting like the idea of any kind of large killer snake doesn't exist. I'm like eh. Well, you better call Oliver Reed, because this is not spasms. <laughs> <laughs> so from there, uh, we cut to this old woman. Or, not. she's not old, but she's an old... She's Let's call her mature. She's a mature woman uh, taking a shower. It's like that age-old gag of, like, the monster coming up to the shower and, like, ripping it open and, sca- and there's a jump scare. But instead of that, it's her husband that pulls open the curtain. <laughs> I love this gag. And delivers the most awkward line ever. My keys. I've lost them. Can I borrow yours? Paul Dooley, by the way. I don't know who the fuck that is. Paul Dooley, man. Oh, that is Paul Dooley. <laughs> I did look that up earlier. Yeah, Wimpy. Yeah, yeah, he's Wimpy from the Popeye movie. Which which Bob Dalen fucking was the first assistant director on. Oh, he was also the first uh, assistant director on Project Alf. If you don't know what that is, the made-for-TV movie Alf movie. Good shit. Is that after the show was canceled and they had to kind of come back and add an ending? Yes. And then Miguel Ferreira's in it. Oh, my God. But Paul Dooley's in one of my favorite Tales from the Dark Side episodes. Old Soft Shoe. Good shit, man. He, like, he like rents a, uh, a motel room that's owned by the guy who voices Piglet and uh, has sex with a ghost and she drowns him. It's pretty good. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's good stuff. His silhouette or his shadow in the shower curtain, like, looks like a monster, but then she pulls the curtain back, and he's, like, he's positioned perfectly, so his, like, arm is bent, and he's reaching into, like, his coat pocket, and he just kind of stands there, and he's like, my keys. 
I can't find them. <laughs> Can I borrow yours? And she's like, sure, it's in it's in my purse in the top uh, shelf of the closet. Dun, dun, dun. He came back to do this gag so many times, I forgot what movie I was watching, and I thought Rump was about to break in. Where's the baby John? I was like, oh, it's not Roy, it's Rump. He's like, where's baby Johnny? I'm in the wrong house, sorry. That's 452, I'm in 451, damn it. <laughs> oh, fucketh me. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, you think you think this woman's going to get it, and guess who gets it? Roy, because he has to go into the closet to get the keys out of her purse. And it's funny as hell, because he comes out with the purse, and like his back's to the closet. Oh, this is a fantastic little visual gag. Yeah, you see this, like, you see the monster hand creep out of the out of the threshold of the door and, like, grab him by the back of the shirt and just yank him right into the closet. It just, he just scruffs him back inside the closet. There's no musical cues. It's just his hand reaches out, and he's like... Huh? And then he gets pulled back in at high speed. It's like the end of Freddy Krueger or Nightmare on Elm Street when Freddy pulls Nancy's mom into the window and it looks all fucking weird. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or as as uh, as Freddy himself called it, some really silly shit happens at the end of that movie. So his wife comes out and she's screaming and yelling. She's like, oh my God, when is that? Well, okay. She screams, but not until after she has a full-on 404 page not found shutdown and just kind of <laughs> stares into space. <laughs> For like, I'm like, are you going to react? Are you just, okay. Oh, now we're screaming. Okay. Well, if you saw a monster in your closet, what would you do? Uh, I mean, run. <laughs> so she runs outside in a towel and she's screaming. Now, this apartment building is right next to another like college campus apartment complex where the girl from earlier was killed. So Clark and the sheriff are in that room and they're just like looking around and they find a claw. So then they hear this woman scream and they're like, ah, Terry's like, ah, what, goddamn, what the fuck is that shit? We gotta go see what's happening. And then he spits in a cup again. <laughs> he spits in a flagon. He spits in like, their fucking pencil holder or something. No, no, he spits in her fucking like class mug. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like a flagon with the with the sorority on it. Yeah, like the fuck like the ones you like the steins you get from medieval times. Yeah. By the way, all these spits come with complete with a sound effect that just goes So they run so they run outside and he fucking grabs this woman and he's like, What shut the fuck up? He's like, What's wrong with you? What did you see? Get a hold of yourself, goddammit. And these people are like Oh, she said she saw a monster, man. And he's like, come on, we gotta go get it. So him and Clark run inside, and the the, the room is just in shambles. The closet's all tore up. There's clothes and shit all over the place, but the monster's gone. After this, things get a little fuzzy. Until certain points. But yeah, they go meet the fucking, uh, they go meet, uh, uh, fucking Walmart-branded Einstein, who plays by another actor I recognize from somewhere and could not put my finger on it. It's Henry Gibson, man. He's from The Burbs, and, like, Bi- and Biodome, he's in that, too. So Clark goes to the college and talks to, his name is Professor Pennyworth, and he also meets up, uh, with the professor's mother i'm sorry this is we- this is going to get confusing his name's we're going to talk his name's dr pennyworth and he's just a doctor then they meet then he also meets the professor's mom and her name's diane correct and she's also a professor though hence the confusion <laughs> And she's like, oh, what, did you come to give my son more chocolate? And he's like, no, I don't have any chocolate bars. I want you to look at this tooth. Oh, the sheriff told me you think it's a big snake. And she's like, she's like, I don't think it's a snake. God damn it. I, I think that the it- sheriff's stupid. Don't listen to him. <laughs> I just said it looked like a snake bite. Obviously, it's not a giant snake. Yeah, this is they bring the, uh, t- is this is a tooth or a claw? It's a claw, because that comes back later in the movie. Yeah. Uh, uh, mm. They had to reuse that prop. Which doesn't make any fucking sense. No, I'll, I'll tr- trust me. I'm going to eviscerate that entire sequence when we get to it. That's like the only mold of it they had, so they're like, ugh. Let's just use it again. Is this the... Oh, no, this is not the dinner sequence. This is before that. They bring the claw to Dr. Pennyworth, who has no relation... Who is probably Alfred's 
brother, cousin, I don't fucking know. If he's not he's not as interesting, he's about three feet shorter. Um He's his half brother. <laughs> I mean, I just assumed that it was Diane's father, but then, like, I, they never really say it, and, like, she's upset at... I Yeah. I don't think it's her father. There's also a priest that just hangs around for some reason. Well, I think that's her uncle, which is only said, like, once. Yeah, that is her uncle, and you only find that out, like, way late in the movie. <laughs> he just he just lingers the entire film. <laughs> but before we get to that scene, uh, the doctor's like, oh, let me see that, let me see that uh, claw. Pulls out a magnifying glass and goes full Ozzy Osbourne, everybody. Oh, this is fascinating. This is amazing. It's still warm and it's it's a definitely a claw but i'm not sure where it's from and then he's like why don't you come to dinner yeah because he like mistakes clark for somebody else yeah he's like well since you're coming to dinner I'm, I'm like oh are we all missing dialogue or he's just being presumptuous no 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 like he mistakes him for somebody else and he's like no i'm not that person but he's still like that's the gag like he's like and well when you come to dinner tonight at diane's house and diane's like I, I guess you're coming to fucking dinner yeah enjoy some cucumber pudding for some reason when you're doing his voice it reminds me of Tor go and now i can now now his character is torgo from now on <laughs> it kind he like he kind of has that inflection sort of he he has that vocal pattern less robotic <laughs> they go to diane's for dinner and as i said you know she's good she's serving uh cucumber pudding she's got like this pretty nasty looking cauliflower dish that they're eating and all the while an eggplant an eggplant i that didn't look like any eggplant I ever ate. Meanwhile, the uh, the priest, who you're just now, like, is just sitting at the table, never actually introduced in any fashion. No, he's just there. He appears, and you're just like, okay. And the, the movie's just like, just roll with it. And, of course, the priest and uh, Pennyworth are just arguing the entire time about morality. And uh, of, a, of a fucking cockroach. Yeah, a cockroach is a, just, you know, casually walking on the table. And and uh, professor wants to kill it, and then they argue about the morality, and then Diane doesn't even try, doesn't even not even phase, just swipes it off the side of the table and just continues eating. First of all, here's my thing with this moment: if I don't care where I am, if a cockroach is on the dinner table, I'm flipping the fucker over and I'm asking where the hell it came from. Yeah, <laughs> it's like that scene in Problem Child Two. Oh, a cockroach! Get it off the table. <laughs> Where there's one, there's a million. Get Lawanda. She looks like she's throwing crumbs of the fucking dog. <laughs> <laughs> Coming back to Sean's point, like him and the him and the priest are like having this conversation about morality, and Doctor Pennyworth tells a story about this fucking frog that we hear like six times throughout this film. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I hated this guy by the end of the movie. Dude, it was so good, though. He's like, when I was a boy, I found a frog, and it had this... I cut it open, and there was a green substance that shot me in the face, and then I made the cure for cholera. At age six. Now, if I didn't do that, where would we be now? And then the master told me to put the frog away. (laughs) Maybe I don't hate him, but there's just... It's too much. He slows everything down, for sure. But I think that's the point. Yeah, no, I, I, I'll agree with that, at least. So he's telling this story about cutting these, this frog open and all this disgusting fluid that he finds in it. And uh, Clark's like, yeah, that's fucking disgusting. And he's, like, starting to get sick from this god-awful food in front of him and, like, the story that he's being told. He doesn't get sick from the fucking cockroach on the table, but he gets sick by some story about a frog squirting its guts out. Everyone just keeps eating. So in order to distract himself, I guess, or maybe he's just got a little uh, green goop of his own on his glasses, he takes them off and he starts cleaning them. And Diane looks at him and is just utterly captivated by his beauty. Like he's a fucking Adonis. There's bedroom eyes and there's whatever Diana's doing. But, but, But here's the difference there. You're saying... 
she is amazed by her beauty, but you would only make that correlation if you watch the entire film where at the end they they finally say, oh, it's because he's beautiful. I'm watching the movie thinking, why the fuck is this woman bugging out when this guy takes his glasses off? This makes no sense. Yeah, man, she's just she just totally spaces out uh, and she's completely enamored by the way this guy looks. He's like the most handsome person on earth. But only without his glasses on. He has a more hypnotic face than Dracula does at this point. Like, he takes his glasses off and she forgets what she's doing and loses all motor control. He doesn't even have to look at her. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh, I got some crud in my eyes. <laughs> He's like, I can't get a date. Brought you some flowers. That's later. Yeah, I brought you some flowers and a crunch bar. That's when he turns into Superman. Yes, that's why That's why he can't take them off in this film, or everyone's going to know the secret. So he puts them back on, and she snaps back into reality. And the professor's like, oh my god, Clark, you gotta come see my, you gotta come, can I, I gotta take you upstairs to the attic, I gotta show you my, uh... Like, I think, like, the first word in this scene is like, so can I take him upstairs now? I'm like, what the fuck? I'm glad I'm not the only one that thought that immediately. <laughs> Like, what? The first line said he's like, so can I take him upstairs now, Mom? I'm like, what, are you going to pull him apart and put him in jars? What's happening? Yeah, can I dissect our guest, please? <laughs> Did I ever tell you about the frog? Oh, God. Yes, Uncle. The frog was actually a man. He shot green goo on me. Is he just Professor Farnsworth? He is kind of Farnsworthy. Basically. I mean, if this was a cartoon, Billy West would be doing his voice. Oh, my God. Oh, see, you just put that in the air, and now I'm upset that I live in a universe that's never going to happen. So. So, Professor is working on this machine called the Ultrasonic Ultra Juggernator. It's got a stupid science-y... It's, it's like the name of a weapon from fucking Duke Nukem. Let me see if I can do this again. It's Ultrasonic Ultra Jogmeter. Jogmeter. Meter. I don't know. Ultra Jognator. And then they, like, change the fucking name. It's like Ultra Jog Augmenter or some shit. Yeah, by the end of the movie, it's called the Ultrasonic Augmenter. I'm like, so it increases sounds? That's exactly what it does. <laughs> and he's about to show Clark. He's like, he's like, look, you played his xylophone, and it bounces back all the sounds at a thousand times its power. That sounds like a weapon of mass destruction, which you should hand over to the government, boy. And before he gets to show him, they hear a scream from outside. They hear the scream from outside, and this guy's like, oh my god, there's a monster in my house! There's a monster in my closet! <laughs> this guy is like... Oh my god, I fucking love this dude. Do we never do we never see him on camera, do we? We just hear his fucking disembodied voice the entire time? Just just from out the window, and he's like in a robe. He's just like, Oh my god, there's a monster! Help, he's in my Kansas monster! And everybody's like, what the fuck are you yelling about? I love this sequence because then our, our tobacco-spitting police chief shows up. The cops show up out of nowhere! He's like, what are we doing with? And he's like, a big giant killer brown snake. And then proceeds to try to talk the snake down. He doesn't think it's a snake. I know, but then he calls he calls it a snake. He's like, "Up, oh, it's a big brown snake." He gets on a fucking uh bullhorn and he's like he's like, "All right, monster, I know you're in there. Come on out, you fucking damn it." He immediately insinuates that it's A, a beast, and then B goes into hostage negotiation mode. I'm like, "Who you With a fucking monster? What are you talking about?" I mean, are they just going to start unloading on this house? Is that what he's implying? Well, that's what I'm saying. They're going to what? They're going to kick down the door and kill whatever's in there? Like, they don't even know what they're dealing with. First of all, with the amount of time he's wasting, the person inside that house is very dead. Larry Fine ran right to the first cop he found. <laughs> this is our first of, of, what, a dozen doors that all get broken in the exact same way? Yes. Somebody had a little budget because uh, there's fucking doors galore. <laughs> Break doors down this whole film. Before we get to the reveal of the titular creature. Oh, boy. I have a few thoughts about what this thing looks like. <laughs> 
Why the fuck is this thing coming outside? Why? I don't understand. I don't get that part throughout this whole fucking movie. Like, why? If it's a closet monster and it's eating people that are in close proximity to the closet all the time, why are we coming outside? Is it because he was, like, pissed off at the sheriff? It has to get from closet to closet somehow. Yeah, through the other closet. What? What is he? One of the fucking monsters under the bed and, and little monsters? Like... <laughs> Yeah, he is. There's a magical world in there, man. He's hanging out with the fucking boogeyman and fucking the real Ghostbusters. Yeah, this is like a sister film. Howie Mandel pops out from the bottom and he's like, come on, this way. I mean, I think it's implied that he has to kill people in there for him to, to re-energize himself, but he also kills like, a few people like not even in there, so it's not consistent. Yeah, his little his little uh, Muppet comes out of his mouth. Yeah, out of the fucking rancor. Like, what the fuck? He needs to go back into the closet to, re- to recharge. But we can get to that later. Anyway, now this fucking thing... So so the sheriff's calling out this monster, and it bursts through the front door. And we get our first look at this fucking thing. And by the way, none other than Kevin Peter Hall is in that fucking monster suit. For those who don't know who that is, he played the original Predator. And the Predator in Predator 2. Oh, he did? Yeah, and Harry from Harry and the Hendersons. And um, if you've seen a little flick called Without Warning, he played the alien in that as well. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know he was in the second movie either, because I thought the second movie, the Predator looked shorter. It's a different Predator design, but it's it's Kevin in there. Do you think when he saw this costume, he said, son of a bitch, they're dressing me up like Mr. Potato Head. Okay, this monster looks like a fucking... Do you remember the, um, the chicken nugget toys slash characters? <laughs> yes, from McDonald's. It looks like those if you slapped a fucking anus on its face and put a couple teeth on it. <laughs> And gave it arms and legs. It's the stupidest looking thing. Do you guys remember blurp balls? Vaguely. Kind of. They were like these round little creature things, and they had, uh, they were disgusting. Like, one of them was, uh, <laughs> uh like, like a pig, and its name was Spatui Sui. And it's like this gross pig, and you put, like, this rotten apple in its mouth, and you, like, shoot it out, and it, like, shoots it across the room. That's what he reminded me of at first. I mean, it, to me, it just looked like, you know, like I said a little bit earlier, it kind of looked like a mini rancor with a fuck-up face. Or a giant potato or something. Like, it looks stupid. Before fucking Lucas went in and put the beak in the fucking Sarlacc, that's what that looks like. Yeah, exactly. It has a permanent expression on its face that, like I said earlier, it looks like someone caught mid-frame going, Like, it's this permanently perched mouth. I I mean, I'll I'll give him this much. I mean, if that... If, if I was in this movie and I saw this thing, I'd probably shit my pants and run the other way too. But that doesn't mean that it actually looks good. So the sheriff's like, oh my God, it's a fucking monster. And he pulls out his revolver and he starts shooting this shit out of it. And he fucking unloads in this thing. And nobody else thinks like it's time to help. They're like, all right, he's got this. Well, everybody's like, what the fuck is that thing? What is this giant fucking mutated chicken nugget character doing here? So then he walks up to uh, the sheriff and this fucking snake tongue pops out of the uh, uh, of the Sarlacc pit and just fucking grabs him by the throat and, like, lifts him up and kills him. Gives him a nice noogie on the neck. Yeah, and it comes out and goes... It's, it's like the Xenomorph secondary jaw, if that jaw looked stupid, is the best way I can describe it. It's like a, it's like a little shitty snake monster puppet that lives inside this other shitty potato-looking puppet. It, it kind of reminds me of, um... Remember the knife from Evil Dead 2 that had, like, the little face at the end of it? Like that if it was stung by a bunch of bees... And it's white. It's pale white. I also had a little theory that, like, after seeing this a bunch of times, like, is it a parasite that lives inside this monster? 
and is kind of controlling it. Oh my god, it's fucking, it's Quato. <laughs> it could be Quato. Open your mind to me, Professor! So yeah, the, the, after after he kills the uh, the police chief, all the other cops open fire, and, and... They open fire, and it seems like nobody's hitting him, and they're just, like, fucking killing civilians left and right who are trying to sleep. <laughs> yeah, they're just like, alright, trick-or-treat's over, friend, and they just unload on him. They're in a 75% covered semicircle, and they're all firing in various directions. Nobody appears to be hitting him, but, you know, it's just for the sake of showing this monster's indestructible. In my head, I'm like, so I guess their bullets aren't hitting him, so just passing by him, just entering people's houses? The collateral damage in this must be fucking massive. That guy's standing there like, thank God I called the police, and he just catches one in the neck. <laughs> oh, no! All the cops book it, and they get in their cars and start driving away, except for the one, this one cop who's just, like, sitting there making a report. Ah, call the goddamn army! We, we can't fucking stop this thing! And then it just fucking comes over and just, like, tips the car over, and just, like, apparently, I guess he's dead. Hey, uh, we learned that We learned that in Rawhead. If your car flips over, you die. So, everybody scrambles and the monster heads back he like goes around the side of the house for whatever reason and uh dr pennyworth's like i need to go follow it Duh, leave me be and he goes and he follows it and it disappears and he's like we need to figure out where it came from because it's the most bestest thing that the world's ever seen clock get your notebook because this story is gonna blow people's minds this is going to be a barn burner yeah and then they jump cut to the fucking general oh my god donald moffat i'd rather not spend the rest of this winter tied to this fucking couch i don't care anybody says that thing that scene from the thing is the fucking best so take that take that scene from the thing and then that's just him on constant blast throughout this whole movie yes he is he is he's a walking talking one-liner delivering machine he's just like oh this fucking monster we're gonna fucking kill this thing his his dialogue can be summed up as leave it to the army to blow the shit out of it yeah he goes yeah leave it to the army and by the way padlock your closets my favorite piece of dialogue and i think it was either here or a few minutes from here is when someone's like what are you gonna do when you find the monster he, without missing a beat he goes i'm gonna fly my teeth with it. So the army's gonna go take out this monster, and at this press conference, this guy's talking all this shit, and he's like, "We're gonna, we're gonna get this monster, and don't, don't nobody worry about it. We're the U.S. Army. We fix everything. We're the best goddamn country you've ever seen." Meanwhile, Pettyworth's standing next to him in his fucking pajamas that he never got changed out of. He's like, if I were to change my wardrobe, they might not get that I look like Albert Einstein. He's like, we can't kill this monster. Did I ever tell you the story about the frog? And the general's just like, shut the fuck up, I don't care. And then, so Scoop's at this conference, and now he now he's trying to fuck over Clark and, like, take the story back from him. Because now that the non-story has become an actual story. Scoop is a piece of shit, by the way, if we haven't gotten out of the way. Scoop is, yeah, he is a total piece of shit. I, I felt bad for Richard in this scene because he's just like, hey, buddy, you know, you, you got a big you got a big promotion if you go home. He's like, oh, I got this. Oh, I did you a favor. <laughs> and he totally fucking plays this guy. And Richard just trying to be, like, the nicest guy about it. It's just like, okay, Scoop, uh, all right, thanks. And then he fucking starts to leave. Yeah, he's, like, packing his bags and shit from his hotel room. Here's the thing about Scoop. If Scoop came up to me and told me that my mother was dying... I would call her to check before I left the house. He has the most untrustworthy face I've ever seen in my whole life. Hey, hey, buddy. Your mom's dying. Hey. So Clark gathers up all his stuff, and he, and he packs a suitcase, and he uh, he goes he goes to see Diane because he wants to say goodbye, and he brings her flowers and stuff because he, he's, he's, a, he's a nice guy. He just likes his chocolate bars. Crunch bars specifically. Don't fuck it up. Oh, excuse me. Nestle's Crunch Bar TM. They don't have the rights to the fucking other ones. No Milky Ways. No Snickers. Just cr- Crunch. Shh. Shh, you want to get sued? We're going to get sued. 
How about a nice crunch? Anyway, so he gets to the house and Scoop's already there. And he like kind of eavesdrops on their conversation between Scoop and Diane. And Scoop's like, listen, baby, that Clark guy, he's not a fucking reporter. His his dad owns the whole fucking uh, news place. He doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah, he doesn't know what he's doing. And I, I need to talk to those guys. You got to let me talk to a professor. And she's like, A, you're not talking to a professor. B, Clark's a nice guy. And C, get the fuck out of my house. D, you look like a fucking rat. Get out of here. He looks like a rat with a wig on. <laughs> Except that's his natural hair. Yeah, sure, gay. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure that literal block of hair is very real. He looks like a fucking Lego character. Okay? I was gonna say, flex <laughs> into his hair. fucking Lego head. <laughs> so he leaves. Yeah, he leaves. He goes, bitch. Yeah, and he what an asshole. I just want to comment on this guy. He's like played up like he's some big fucking hotshot. His car looks like a piece of shit. He also dresses like the biggest nerd I've ever seen. He's always in like he's always in like a suit. I'm like no human being alive would leave the house wearing that. He's like at some point he's got like a, a fucking well like an autumn fall plaid colored tuxedo combo or something like that or a suit jacket. It's 1983, so we're, we're I mean we're still spilling over from the 70s now. Like it's it's early 80s. He looks like his mom dresses him. He shops at douchebags or us. <laughs> <laughs> this movie was made in 1983, but didn't come out till 1987. I don't know if I said that before, but... Oh, no, you didn't. Or 1986, rather. It was released. Yeah, there was conflicting reports. Like, Wikipedia said 86, but uh, IMDb was saying 87. I have the tape downstairs, but I didn't... It's in a box. Yes, IMDb, the most trusted source. Wikipedia, the most trusted source. Eh. Yes. <laughs> That's what we're working with. Did you know The Dark Knight's the best movie ever made, according to IMDb, guys? Come on. Yes, yeah, so Scoop leaves. This is where we get part two of the glasses gag, don't we? Okay, so Clark's gonna just leave and, like, not even say goodbye and she's like clark what are you doing come say goodbye and he's like oh i got these flowers for clark stop hiding behind the shutters what are you doing yeah stop creeping on the side of my house <laughs> and she's like oh those flowers for me and he's like yep here you go and uh she's like come on inside and have some uh iced tea so he goes inside and well he's back on the job now now he's back on it because he sees that uh scoop tried to fuck him over so he's like you know what here we go i'm in with these cool i'm in with these people that know all the shit so he goes and sits down with the uh priest and dr pennyworth yeah as we hear about this fucking frog for the ninth time yeah and then again he as he walks in he's like and the frog shot the juice in my face and we're like jesus christ and the priest is like that doesn't make it right just because you cured cancer doesn't mean you should have killed something yeah this guy has like so many good one-liners i wish i wrote more of them down this fucking priest so uh diane brings a lemonade in and again clark takes his glasses off and she's like or excuse me the iced tea and she's pouring the iced tea again she's just like utterly captivated by by his face and again let's keep in mind i did not get the whole what they were going for here i mean at this point i was thinking maybe this she looks like his her dead husband i don't know you didn't you didn't think that by this time like something it had something to do with him taking his glasses off no because the only person that had ever reacted at that point was diane so i just assumed it was like some like weird thing with her Actually, I guess you're right. There's only one other character that is affected by them, which I won't reveal quite yet. So she's pouring the lemonade, and he puts his glasses back on, and then she she kind of catches herself after she's, like, poured it all over. She is not yet. Yeah, she's poured iced tea everywhere. And then from the other room, you hear a uh, professor. He's, like, listening back to his tape recording of when the monster broke out into the street the night before. And uh, fucking Pennyworth just is like, Wait, hold on a second! And he and he and he gets up out of his out of his little lounging chair and he fucking hobbles over and he's like play that again he's like rewind that 
And it's like... Rewind it again. Yeah, rewind it again. And then he's like... Yeah, we hear this like three or four times, don't we? Yeah, and then he's like, I've got it! And he runs up to the fucking attic like a goddamn cartoon character. And he and he goes and he fucks up the professor's invention to like pull the xylophone out. And he's like, you know, this xylophone is pretty fucking big. He's got to use both hands to hold it. And he's just... He takes and he goes... <laughs> he, he rings and he goes... He's like, that's the sound it's making. And you know what? I still have not made the connection between the sound he's playing the xylophone and the sound the monster makes. It's completely fucking stupid. I don't hear it at all. He's like, we're going to communicate with it. Listen to my xylophone. And I know this doesn't communicate well over audio, but he's like standing there like when he's listening to the recording, he's like shuffling his hands back and forth in front of him as it's like screaming he's like oh oh interesting yeah and he's getting these he's like pulling this notes out from this fucking thing that just sounds like it it is it is an audio recording of garbled growling that he somehow deciphers is is some kind of like pattern or rhythmic communication it's like those videos where like that lady's eating that hot pepper and then somebody goes into the guitar and like plays the notes to her like coughing and gagging It's auto-tuned the news. This becomes like a 25-minute long gag. And he used the word gag loosely because it's never really that funny. See, this is why I think this whole thing is ridiculous. Because just picture if fucking Dr. Sirizawa was walking around with a fucking xylophone trying to find Godzilla. Like, you wouldn't make it through that movie. He's walking around with a fucking xylophone. Like, this is way more effective than the Oxygen Destroyer. Can you imagine Brian Cranston in the 2014 Godzilla remake walking around like an accordion? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's what the Mutos are doing. Listen, listen. We made it different this time. My family died in there. This whole sequence is like where I was finally, like where all the fucking rails fell off on it. So we got we got the priest, we got Diane, we got Dr. Pennyworth and Clark walking around town. Clark with another fucking crunch bar. They fucking go everywhere. They go to like three or four different areas that I would probably call a slum that I wouldn't be caught dead in. They're all headed by Pennyworth and he's playing this fucking tune on the xylophone over and over again to try to coerce this monster out of wherever it's hiding. I kind of wanted, like, a gangbanger to pop out and be like, the fuck are you doing? Well, they kind of do run into one, and his name is Scoop. (laughs) (laughs) No, Scoop is like a creep, like, hey, hey, how much for a half and half? Well, mind you, Scoop's fucking hiding in this house that they just break into, so he must have broke into it first. All right, wait a second, okay? Like, they just walk into somebody's fucking house. Straight up. It's like food's on the table. They walk into several buildings completely unimpeded. Yeah, but this one this one specifically is somebody's house. There's like, yeah, again, like Sean said, there's food on the table. There's a couch and chairs. They go up to the bedroom. They just step over the bodies on the floor in the kitchen. Well, we're too late, but he might still be here. No, there's no bodies. His little, little snake mouth slurped him up. They find Scoop. Uh, for some odd reason, is hiding in their fuck the attic of this house or whatever, um, or is he or is he in the uh, the the broom closet or something? No, they get spooked because the closet door uh, uh, padlock is on, but they they think that they hear the monster, and then the and then they're all in the room, and the the uh, the door to the room slams shut, and they're like, "What the fuck is that? The monster?" They go to open it, and it's Scoop, and he scares the shit out of them. You know what would have been a better situation there is if they just open it and Scoop is hanging there fucking dead like in Predator when they find that guy in the tree. I wish he was skinned alive and hung upside down. If I open a closet and I think the actor's name is Frank Ashmore but whatever if I open a closet and someone who looked like Scoop jumped out at me I'd beat him to death. Oh. (laughs) Yeah there's like a there's like a fucking greasy newscaster hiding in your closet. Hey! Give me me the scoop! Give me the story! Ah! (laughs) 
It's one of those fucking things from the descent. I have a scuzzball infestation at my house I'd like to come take care of. <laughs> He's got a suit and a pad of paper. He won't leave me alone. It's infested! So the next scene, they're walking down the street again. Uh, Scoop is trying to get get a scoop from Diane. Meanwhile, they're like clearly like in the middle of something. And this is the scene. I had to write down the fucking timestamp because this like killed me. I had to watch this scene like five times in a row. It was so ridiculous. The timestamp for those for those interested, it's at 42 minutes and 40 seconds. You'll know the scene when you get to it. Pennyworth sees something moving in this huge industrial building. Oh my god. <laughs> The film basically pauses at this scene as it zooms in on the priest holding up a cross. Scoop holds up his notepad. Richard grabs his collar. Diane puts her hand over her mouth. And then fucking Pennyworth just lifts the xylophone like above his neck and just goes. And then what is it like? Don't you see like a cloudy possible monster-like figure kind of scurry across five windows really comedically? Yeah, it's like the fucking janitor doing his job, and they're like, oh, God, it's a monster. It's totally the monster, like, in the movie, though. <laughs> like, it's totally the suit walking by the window. It's it's huge. Like <laughs> My read on that was they also did that early in the film with the shower curtain scene. It's like, oh, it's actually the actor, but no, that was straight up the fucking monster walking up, and they were, like, pulling a gag. So, yeah, of course, like, you know, just like the last building, they just walk in. I, I guess I guess uh, they have keys to every house in the city. Also, nobody works in these buildings at all. It's completely abandoned, but it's like a it's like a uh, a washing company, like like a clothes washing or a towel washing company for like a jail or something. I I, I justify it by saying that probably like four four rooms over, like a jigsaw game is is taking place. Do you want to play a game with a monster? Well, it's funny. It's like something out of a video game because they walk through this fucking place and it's all dusty and dirty and falling apart. And then they basically, the next scene, something happens, and then it's, like, fucking totally cleared out, and there's a shit ton of people in there. Yeah, well, I think what it was, it was like, oh, this giant warehouse is cheap, and we're doing this for free, so this is the scene. So that, so they're walking around in the building, and uh, everyone's like, kind of, like, walking around. You know, he's, Einstein's still playing the fucking xylophone. You know, Diane kind of wanders off from the group, <laughs> and she finds this uh, curtain, and she uh, opens up the curtain and looking around. And um, a fucking cat jumps out at her. Your cat, Joe. Your fucking cat jumps out at him. Of course it does. Toby jumps out of the fucking shadows to scare his pants off this woman. And then I think what they uh, she catches back up with them, and then out of one of the doors opens, and a fucking soldier comes out pointing a gun right in their face. He's like, "You're all under arrest." Come with me. And then we get the return of Captain One-Liner. General One-Liner, I believe. He had another one here that I can't remember because it, it made me laugh out loud and I can't remember what exactly it was. He's like, there's a goddamn monster on the loose and you're playing hide and seek with fucking Godzilla. Yes, that's what it was. And meanwhile, fucking uh, Pennyworth telling him about his frog again. He's like, if I could solve the cure cholera with a frog, I can do anything. Here's my thing with his cure cholera thing. If you have the ability to cure serious diseases by cutting open frogs, you're, cr- you're clearly overqualified for whatever you're doing now. But if I get my hands on the monster, imagine what I can do with all the properties of the monster. Oh, I could cure cancer. He cut open a capybara and cured eczema. It's the cure for sickle cell anemia. Science. So, uh... General Trumbull is like, is like, oh, we got our, we, we got our fucking men working on it around the clock. And the guy's like, uh, excuse me, General, uh, well, we figured out the monster's attack patterns. And he's like, he goes from closet to closet in half circle patterns and every day at six hours past the hour on the- English nerd. Well, that would place him just about here. And he's like, he's at the goddamn grammar school. Let's get it. That's the line. There it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's when he drives a car like a fucking maniac across the whole town. It's like crazy taxi down this fucking road. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and, the, and they're inco- intercutting from like him driving like a total nutcase, crashing into everything on his fucking way. It's like he's driving the Batmobile, and they're showing Professor working in like science lab while the monster's doing his best moonwalk in the fucking hallway <laughs> behind him. <laughs> He's like walking back and forth. Why the fuck is Professor, first of all, by himself in this grammar school working on his augmenter, jogmenter, whatever? He just carries this fucking thing all over the place. No one asks him, hey, is that, that looks like a weapon. Is it a weapon? He's like, that's my augmenter. It's a fucking grammar school. He's not putting in his hours for his fucking credits. Like, what is he doing there? His mom's terrible, okay? She doesn't even call him by his name. She leaves him in random buildings by himself. He's probably sitting in class like, uh, Jim... Jim, Jim, uh, excuse me, my name's Professor, I only answered to Professor, uh, you should have gotten a memo. <laughs> Go to the fucking principal's office. <laughs> oh, not again. I, I actually like Professor, I shouldn't pick on him too much, he's one of the few characters I actually like in this movie. So Trumbull's like, God damn it, we gotta get to the fucking grammar school, and they get there. Uh, they they go up to they go up to this room and they like get there just in the nick of time to see this monster grab Professor by the back of the shirt. He's trying to drag him back into the closet. This is this this whole sequence is colossally stupid because it's it's okay. He's dragging young Paul Walker around this room by his shirt collar. One not making an effort to get to this closet in any kind of timely manner. Um, just kind of blah, 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 all around the room, and then you have at the door about ten full size grown ups. All basically fighting each other to both keep each other away from the room and try to, like, it, it's just a tussle. And then fucking Clark Kent, whatever the hell, jumps in and leaps onto Professor's legs and grabs him. Doesn't try to pull him away from the monster right away, just grabs his ankles. And then they gets up and proceeds to play tug-of-war with a child. You're gonna rip this kid in half, what are you doing? There's enough people in that door to go in there and fuck that monster up with their bare hands, okay? They, they pick up a desk and drop on him or something, there's weapons everywhere. Everyone stands there and goes like, take off his shirt! Yeah, they're like, quick, rip his shirt off! <laughs> rip his shirt off! <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, like, poor little Paul Walker's getting, like, choked by this monster. He is getting throttled, like, he's getting just fucking tossed all over the place. From both ends, by the way, from the monster and from Clark. So then Clark then, someone's like, rip off his claw, and then Clark takes his sweet-ass time and slowly pulls the claw off this monster's thumb and then uses it to slowly cut the collar off a professor's shirt. Why are we doing this? (laughs) (laughs) This creature's supposed to be indestructible, but his fucking claws come off if you just pick at him for half a second. He just pops off like he's made of Play-Doh. But, like, why are we doing this? Why aren't we just ripping this kid's shirt open? Yeah, I know. That's the thing I was thinking the entire time it was happening. He's got a button-up shirt on, for God's sakes. Instead, he's like, ah, I almost got this claw. It's going to pop off any second now. Or go in the room and pull the kid off the monster yourselves. This monster lifted a fucking car not 30 minutes before this, and he can't drag this fucking kid and Clark into this closet. (laughs) There's there's that, too. He is impervious to bullets, but he can have his claws ripped off by by a regular human. And explosions, as we'll soon find out. And he pulls it off like his thumb is made of Play-Doh. Like, it just pops right off. Like, it's just gently molded in there. Comes right out. And then it takes him, like, a minute to realize the kid's no longer being pulled. He, like, keeps trying to pull him like it's a fucking... It's stupid! And then the monster gets back in the closet and and shows everybody its tongue, which is just that tiny little white creepy parasite thing. (laughs) And it closes the door. And then they all split and they go outside. And then, like, the army has, like tanks and fucking missile launchers and a whole fucking battalion pointed at this grammar school (laughs) waiting for this monster to come outside yeah so, so they all run out and they go like by the military and the monster comes out he comes like walking out like he's got skid marks in his underwear 
And, and then fucking, of course, you know, they're about to open fire. I mean, Pennyworth's like, we can't let this creature... Because the whole movie, he's talking about how he wants to capture this thing alive. Which immediately tells you he's going to be fucked up at some point. And, and he's like, I can stop it. I, I Let me try to talk to it. And he goes with the general. general's like, you're fucking crazy. Like, what are you doing? He's like, And he just walks up with his xylophone. He's like, <laughs> Sorry, I have to do that every time because it's ridiculous. And then Ken Watanabe walks up and goes, let them fight. <laughs> So, so, so this is the part where I was just like, all right, they're really going hard on this War of the World shit. You know, of course he goes up there, he's playing, and he's, he's, he's like he's fucking Dr. Grant talking to the Velociraptor breaking out of the egg. He's like, oh, come on, you can understand me, right? And then he gets, I don't know why he's so fucking close to this creature. I don't care if this thing trusts, if you think it trusts you or not. He walks within friggin' punching distance and is like looking at it like, oh, oh. He thinks it's a miracle. And especially to science, it's very valuable to science. So like, I get that angle. The master will be very pleased with this interaction. Master told me to get the monster from the closet. (sighs) Oh, and meanwhile, while he's doing this, nobody is concerned at all. Like at first they are. No, nobody moves a muscle. Everyone in this movie just stands there and watches shit happen everyone's smiling they're like wiping tears from their eyes they're so happy and then he gets fucking ganked and then he gets fucking <laughs> away. He gets impaled but it's like a moving scene too they're like oh my god he's do- you're doing it peter you're doing it you're playing with us and then he fucking the little tongue comes out and just snatches this dude up no holes by the way no blood yeah, so so Pennyworth dies and gives us one final speech about frogs. Well, well, it's imp- it's implied he dies because the monster gets him with the old willy nilly to the chest, <laughs> and he and he drops to the ground, and, and you know no one even attempts to try to be like, oh shit, we should check to see if he's alive. The fucking army just starts firing everything they got. It's like fucking predator all over again. And there's bombs going off and shit, like, around and on this monster. Like, there's no way anything within, like, a 30-foot diameter around this thing is fucking in pieces. But somehow, he totally is okay with a little soot on his forehead. Yeah, and the monster takes a lick and keeps on ticking. And the, and the army takes their fucking tanks and, and Humvees and just books it the hell out of there. Yeah, they're just like, ah, shit, I can't kill it! Get the fuck out! Fall back! And they just leave this poor old man to die in the street. Yeah, so Diane, Clark, and uh, the priest and professor... No, professors... Yeah, they all they all run over to uh, to Pennyworth. And Pennyworth is like, There's only one way to stop it. You have to cut off its frogs. I see frogs all over the place. Frogs and froggies. And he dies. <laughs> he dies a useless old man. He won two Nobel Peace Prizes. He didn't have to fucking die. And he just, like, killed himself for no reason. He's like, we communicated. And it's like, not really. He uh, he dies withholding precious information. Instead, goes off on a tangent about frogs once again. He, he died like he lived. An asshole. <laughs> Being a doddering old fool. He cuts it after they're all upset. And the monster just kind of lumbers off. Um, to go hide in his fucking hole. I don't know where he goes. He got. He has to go back into the closet. But like everyone handles this so bizarrely. Like the military just gets up and leaves. Like no one checks in the old man. The monster's just like I'm out of here, and then just runs off. And then like this, our central core characters are all like, "Oh no, he's gonna talk about frogs again." Scoop is like is there too, and he's like he's like, "Oh, did you communicate with it?" He's like, "We communicated." He's like, "Did you understand what it said?" And he's like, "No." <laughs> 
<laughs> As he's dying on the ground, this guy's trying to get one more fucking word out of him. I really need it for my fucking story. I told Ben back at the office I'd have this for him. The, uh... Funeral is next, right? And that's when Scoop finally gets his? No, the army evacuates Chestnut Hills first. The news guy comes on, he's like, Everybody's evacuating Chestnut Hills. Your closets are not safe. Get out of the town. Oh, this is the closet-destroying montage. No, not yet. Yes, you heard that correctly, folks. Closet-destroying montage. And we get fucking ludicrous with it, and it's kind of hilarious. I just want to note that uh, in this scene, Joe and Connor... Uh, you have uh, this, this reporter going on about how bad everything is and the world's fucking basically at, at no movement because they're so uh, concerned about this monster and they, no one can stop it. And the general walks by and the reporter's like, oh, any, anything to say, general? And then first of all, he like freaks out when the guy touches him like he's like fucking being mugged. And then he goes, oh, is there anything we could do to beat this thing? He's like, ah, oh, bullets don't work. Missiles don't work. Nukes don't kill this thing. We're fucked. I was like, I didn't know they dropped a nuke on him. Yeah, he's like, I don't give a holy hoo-how. We're on TV. We can't stop this damn thing. I love his his mix of fake cursing mixed in with his real cursing. He curses like the dad from A Christmas Story, but then drops in like, hooey hot, goddamn son of a bitch. I don't give a monkey's fart or some shit he says. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't give a monkey's goddamn fart. It's like, all right, it's one or the other. You're a peachy, you know, rated uh, uh, potty mouthman or you're an actual potty mouthman. I don't know what it is. All right, so, the, so they go to a funeral. Uh, for Pennyworth, and they sh they show the scene. Everyone's like evacuated, essentially. This guy, I hate to keep bringing this up, but this guy is noted for having two Nobel Peace Prizes. They they continuously bring this up, and fucking four people are at his funeral. The four main characters. He's buried like a nobody, and they bury bury him in his fucking pajamas. I'm sure. <laughs> He, he gets an unmarked grave. He gets he's laying there with Yamcha from Dragon Ball Z, and they just throw dirt on him. So they're all paying their respects, and the priest is like giving uh, saying his sermon. And uh, Scoop comes by, and he's like, "Hey, what the fuck are you all still doing here?" Scoop, Scoop appears with his douchebag teleporting powers, and just kind of appears to be an asshole to everybody. Everybody evacuated. What are you guys still doing here? Oh, that fucking guy's dead, huh? Yeah, he comes up. He's like, "Yeah, you know, I tried to get at his last word as part of my story, but now that he's dead, can I get something from you, lady? Huh, honey?" And then, uh, yeah, and then fucking uh, Clark puts on his white knight helmet. And he's like, <clears throat> "Don't call her hun." Yeah, and he fuck Clark decks this fucking asshat. I do love this punch because this happens in like four edits. It's <laughs> he knocks him out cold. He knocks him out cold, and Professor goes, "Ah, oh, oh, Richard knocked him right out." And the priest goes. Ah, you know, God moves in mysterious ways. That wasn't Richard. It was the punch of God. Yeah, <laughs> he goes, that wasn't Richard's punch. It was the punch of God. And Professor's like, wow. Then Scoop is dead, if that's the case. Crunch bars really do give you energy. Yeah, that's what he says. Yeah, you don't see Scoop the rest of the movie. So either he's still lying there or the monster fucking ate him on in a scene. Oh, he's knocked the fuck out for the rest of the movie. I want to think he's laying there and he has a concussion and no one came to his aid, so he just died there. He wakes up and he's fucking Gildroy Lockhart. He's laying there like the fucking the clown from Billy Madison. <laughs> yeah, with blood dripping out of his mouth. <laughs> yeah. It's the after credits scene when nobody stayed to watch. <laughs> Monster in the closet too. Zombie scoop. Does his hand break through the fucking closet door? I'm gonna get that story one way or another. So Diane's like, Professor Pennyworth said we can kill it with energy. He must mean electricity. So he, they tried to tell the general, like, hey, you, and he's like, well, you fucking tried everything, lady. We tried nukes, we tried grenades, we tried missiles. Uh, I don't give a monkey's fart what you think you could do about it. Electricity's not going to do anything. <laughs> My eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like an emperor penguin. <laughs> I meant no offense to emperor penguins out there. My friend Linda's going to be very upset that you just slandered penguins. I See, this whole, this whole energy trap 
gag is really silly because we spend a lot of time this, them building this fucking trap. This montage is like twenty. It's like twenty extra minutes. Fucking doesn't work. It doesn't work. <laughs> they just start playing the MacGyver intro. That's what it fucking looks like. It's just playing in the background. They're like taping microphones and shit. Dun, 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 dun. They're taping shit together. They're like putting this uh, electricity booth together. This this shock booth together. Clark's wiping the sweat from his brow as he takes another bite out of a crunch bar. I don't know if you can call him Clark. They everyone pretty much calls him Richard the whole fucking movie. But his last name's Clark, and he looks like Clark Kent, so it's Clark. Well, we get to see the fucking his ultra sonogmatic augmentator thingamajig. Before we get to that, like at the end of the montage, they like test the electricity, like the electric box, like with a dummy, like a clown dummy, and it like just like goes up in flames and like give each other a fucking thumbs up. <laughs> They're like, yeah, it worked. It worked. Now clean this mess up. Getting it done. Professor! And then the next scene... Oh, yeah, well, first of all, the professor is supposed to get on the bus out of town, and he doesn't. He's just standing there eating a crunch bar. If you're not surprised at this point. I don't think this kid has brushed his teeth at all this week. And he's been eating crunch bars like crazy. So so as I mentioned earlier, they're, they're, they're winding down after setting up these fucking traps all night, like Kevin McAllister... And Diane's sitting there still trying to screw shit together while Clark's sitting there chewing on another fucking candy bar. Like, where does he keep getting these from? Is he just, like, shoplifting from the local shops because no one's in town? And he just walks into Toys R Us and cleans them out. He just sticks his hand in the shelf and just, like, knocks them all into his shopping cart. They also rigged up this PA system, this giant PA system, and they're playing the xylophone through this PA system to, to, to uh, coax the uh, monster into the house. And this was the one scene in the entire movie that I had a genuine reaction that I was like, wow, that was actually kind of cool. Or clever, rather. Yeah, so Diane's, like, completely smitten by Clark, and they're, like, kind of telling each other their feelings for each other. And, like, right in the middle of that conversation, they're, like, leaning up against the closet door, and the fucking monster just punches a hole right through it. Like I said, the one scene I was like, ah, okay, yeah, that was pretty good. Because they set this whole trap up assuming he's going to come through the front door. But obviously, why wouldn't it be the closet? Like, because everyone in this movie is stupid. Like, it would be the closet. That's where he's coming out of. It's called Monster in the Fucking Closet. Yeah, padlock your closets, even though it continuously breaks right through them. He does have a a penchant for, like, going outside of buildings for whatever reason. The disadvantage these people have is, unlike Daniel Baldwin in Yesterday's Target, they didn't have the script on hand to know where to be and how to do certain (laughs) things. Oh my god, it says the electric trap doesn't work! (laughs) (laughs) Fuck! We're fucked! Not only does it not work, but the monster season is like, I'm not fucking stepping on that, and just walks right around it. Yeah! It's kind of like Predator where he sees the spikes and the leaves. He's like, nah. <laughs> yes. I was thinking the same thing. Like, I was like, this is hilarious. Like, not only is it like Predator when he sees the spikes and he's like, come on, do it. Kill me. I'm here. <laughs> it's also Kevin Peter Hall in the fucking suit. It is. <laughs> like, yeah, I ain't falling for this shit. Been here twice now. What was the reason why he decides then to step into it? Is it because he saw the Crunch Bar wrapper sitting on it? Like, what was the logic there? Here's the thing. Like, she throws a vase at him and there's like flowers in it. And then it like takes the time to step on the flowers okay doesn't like flowers then clark's like hey i'm gonna i got a fucking crunch bar here you go buddy and he throws it on the uh electric pad and i'm thinking like oh the monster's gonna go eat the chocolate bar and it walks over to it and just steps it it goes onto the electric uh board and just fucking stomps out this crunch bar good waste of chocolate yeah what the fuck anyway they shocked the shit out of it and it does nothing, and the uh, the creature like breaks the uh, the trap, and they run up to the attic. Get the safest place, not and not out the fucking door. Yeah, or out like the window, or like the back door. Anywhere else, basically. Yep. She's like the attic, and I'm like, why? So professor's up there, 
and he's got the uh, the jog manner. <laughs> unsupervised again. He's like, ah, I was waiting for you to join me. Of course he's unsupervised. He's the professor. Yeah, he's like, ah, oh, I got, I finally got it to work. Look, grab, grab the horn, because they don't have the xylophone anymore. So Clark's playing this little toy horn, and he's playing the notes like, <laughs> and they're bouncing the sound back a thousand times at the monster as it's coming towards them. Which, which, by the way, should knock the house down. Yeah, not only that, <laughs> but like it's it's broadcast through this machine and like laser beams, and they're like shooting this monster. With these fucking laser beams, he's like, "Wait for the tongue to come out. I gotta shoot it." And they, and these laser beams also do nothing. Nope, not at all. The uh, the augmenter takes a shit. It just like blows up. Yeah, it just blows up in this kid's hands. His shit just starts falling off it. Now professor has like third degree burns on his hands, and he's just like, "Ah, broke." Uh oh. Whoops. What done for? Diane's like, "Oh my god!" And she, like in falling down, they like all fall down in like terror, and she like grabs Clark's face and like pulls his glasses off. And then the monster just stops dead in his tracks because he sees this goddamn handsome, sexy, blue-eyed, beautiful man at his feet. <laughs> Picks him up like fucking Creature from the Black Lagoon and just takes a hike. Uh, and this is our, our closet-destroying montage, is it not? Yes. Diane's like, it wasn't electricity or energy. We gotta destroy the- Oh, no, 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 it's not Diane. It's Professor. Yeah, Professor does crack the code. But Diane goes on, like, a live broadcast. This whole broadcast sequence reminds me of the howling at the end, where Dee Wallace is like, I gotta tell you all a secret, I'm a werewolf. Spoiler. And the guys at the bar are just like, can somebody change the fucking channel, please? Missing a goddamn Yankee game because of this. It's just so funny because, like, they're, and then it, like, cuts these people at a bar, and it's, like, the same thing. Anyway, she's like, destroy all closets! So then we have this wonderful closet destroying montage and it features people like taking like a hacksaw to their coat hanger like their coat rod and then my favorite one my favorite one is the couple standing there in a lover's embrace watching their closet burn burn <laughs> like you lit your closet on fire your whole house is gonna burn down I, I i'm more partial to the old woman with the blowtorch in the stand in the walk-in closet she's like smoking a cigarette torching all her clothes i i love the japanese guy with the katana just cutting the shit out of the fucking like rice paper doors in fucking full samurai regalia for some reason is that Quentin Tarantino? Yeah. The temple bells of the monster. <laughs> you must destroy all closets. Destroy the closets before the temple bells ring. Yeah, he's like, oh! <laughs> but like in the sound of the fucking xylophone. God damn. Yeah, Pennyworth comes back. He's like, oh, listen to it again. It somehow lines up. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, it's the same thing. So then the monster apparently in the new, like every newspaper reporter, everyone's like, the monster's walking to San Francisco for some reason. We don't understand why. I like how the entire, the entire ending of this movie is basically just montages over each other. Yeah, it's like fucking Pee Wee Herman. You got people destroying closets. You got fucking newspaper clippings. You have you have news anchors, and you have the monster just walking in like a straight line, basically with the camera on its face, and it's just like, what is happening? If Forrest Gump was running with Lieutenant Dan in his arms, that's what this would be. <laughs> Look out at the giant McNugget. Look out for the fucking McDonald's character. So this fucking thing is just walking around nonstop. It's this big montage of this monster walking around with Clark in his arms, and he goes to the uh, apparently the only building on the fucking West Coast that has a closet. He goes to the Transamerica building, and apparently that's like a that's like a giant building in California, I, I guess. I, I 
maybe I'm stupid, but I've never heard of that. But anyway, they're going through the they're going through the whole building, and the monster's looking through like all the closets, and he finally finds one that's not destroyed, but he can't fit Clark through the fucking door, so he just leaves. Well, no, you you, you forgot a few details there, Joe. I have to stop you there. First he first he takes the elevator up. <laughs> <laughs> then. Yeah, he can't fit him through the door. But if you if you have never seen the movie, just picture a a broom closet in a building that janitorial supplies would be held. And not big, but if you were to turn sideways and fucking sidewalk into it, he could have done it easily. Instead, he's he's giving fucking monster eyes to the to to fucking Clark here, who's passed out in his arms. Like, ah, he's too he's too pretty. I can't I don't I can't do it. He can't do that. He's got that big hump on his back. He can't fit through there sideways. It's a one-way street for that fucking thing. And he's lo- and he's locked in a lover's embrace of this beautiful man, so he can't put him on the floor. He can't hold him vertically. By the way, Richard has passed out this entire montage, which apparently takes place over several days. No, he keeps waking up and seeing the monster and then passing out again. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I, I'm surprised Richard didn't look at the fucking monster and go, Well, why are you carrying me? Can you just carry me to the, to the drive-thru? I want to get a Big Mac. Can we stop at the Wawa? I want to get one in a... It's Hoagie Fest. Dude, can you stop by a gas station? My blood sugar is fucking low. I need a crunch bar. I, I guess my whole... The reason why that hung me up is so much is this fucking thing figures out how to work an elevator, but it can't, like, <laughs> use simple fucking uh, problem-solving to, to get through this closet. Oh, see? No, I've cracked the code. This is one of the aliens from Signs. Oh, not enough tinfoil. <laughs> Swing away, Joaquin. It cuts to uh, a church just to round out the War of the Worlds references. And they're all in there listening on this fucking ham radio. Ah, ah, Richard Clark, he's being carried out. The monster looks weak. And Diane's sitting there eating a crunch bar now because it's gone fucking full circle. So then the monster's carrying fucking Clark out like he's uh, Sam carrying Frodo out of Mount Doom. <laughs> fucking collapses in the middle of the street and then like 50 people all of a sudden appear and surround it this thing that's like killed all these people and it couldn't be destroyed by apparently a nuclear bomb ah it's okay now he fell over he falls right on top of clark this monster costume is not gentle looking at by any stretch it's very bulky and it just fucking crashes right on top of clark do you think they just told the actor he had to like hang out in there while he did this scene well i feel like kevin peter hall is crouching over in this thing because he's not nearly as tall as he should be, I think. Like, when he, when he goes to the sheriff... Unless unless Claude Atkins is, like, fucking almost seven feet tall, because this monster is, like, toe-to-toe with him when he, they're outside the house and he's calling him out. And I'm like, Kevin Peter Hall's got to be fucking, like, bending over in that suit. It looks uncomfortable in a lot of scenes. So, yeah, so then everyone shows up. I guess this church is nearby, and they all, oh, you know, Clark, oh, thank God, you did it. But what, what, what stopped the monster? And he's like, ah. Oh, yeah, we found a broom closet up there, but it couldn't get us both in. It could have it could have saved itself, but it didn't. It could have saved itself. The priest is like, "Twas beauty killed the beast." Well, yeah, no, well, yes, but first this reporter goes, "Huh, destroyed by its own closet." <laughs> the priest goes, "It wasn't a closet." It was beauty that killed the beast. And the most like it's this might as well have been a sledgehammer to the face. It's the most heavy-handed reference I've ever seen. To close out the movie, though, not only does that happen, and you finally reveal that, oh, he was just a really good-looking guy, anyone that saw him stopped dead in their fucking tracks, you get this line from this reporter that keeps popping up every time they need a narration, a little plot dump. He goes, ah, folks, uh, go home and uh, rebuild your closets. (laughs) Ben comes up, and he's he's like, hey, kid, you did great. You got the story, Clark. You're gr- and he's like, he's like, hey, thanks, Ben. He's like, call me chief, kid. 
Wink. Like the fucking president or somebody like important doesn't come like, huh, you saved the whole fucking world. It's like, hey, you got a raise. It's his fucking boss. Yeah, it's the fucking editor at the newspaper. This guy should be a fucking national hero and he's just getting like 25 cents an hour raise. <laughs> and everybody lived happily ever after. Where, where are we putting this in the dumpster here? I'm putting it as far fucking deep as I can push it. Oh, come on. It's not that bad. I fucking did not like this movie. I really? I, it's just fucking corny as hell. It's one of those movies where enough of it I disliked that when something even remotely interesting happened, I was like, holy shit, that was awesome. And then like I sat there and thought about it for a few more seconds. Like, wait, no, that was just mediocre. I'm on two minds of this because like one... It's like shit movies like this are kind of like what I live for. Um, but B, it's that kind of movie where I'm like, hey, watch this. Someone come back and like hit me with a DVD box. Like, why did you make me watch this? Um, it's super weird. And I would probably put it like a little above where Sean would put it. <laughs> this one's definitely near the top for me. Um, this was a frequent Friday rental for me um, as a kid. I love the cover art that it has. It's just a, it's just a hokey-ass uh, B-movie, and it's got, it hits every beat on the nose where it's supposed to be for me, and uh, it's fun to watch. I appreciate this movie's existence because, um, and this probably wouldn't be the case if we hadn't lost him, but this is Paul Walker's first movie, and when we lost Paul Walker, I was like, that really sucks, because I can't think of a single time where I was like, Fuck Paul Walker. He's he's so inoffensive, and I don't know, this being like his little childhood first movie, I'm like, oh, there's something kind of cute about this. There is something charming about this movie, without a doubt. It's definitely charming, I'll give you that. And I mean, there are a few characters that... You know, you know Henry Gibson's fucking really trying his damnedest to make this fucking movie work, even if when he dies, it's like the most like theatrical, bad, head-turn-I'm-dead that I've ever seen in a film. And I think for like real big cinema buffs, like people maybe of our crowd... Like, would probably see this and be like, it's a who's who of fucking B-movies. They would completely scoff at this and not even watch 20 minutes of it. <laughs> That's why we're here to tell you about it. So you don't have to watch it. If I could point to the whole sequence with the xylophone, that just like, it, it, it was funny just because of how ridiculous it was to me and that's that you know and the rest of the movie you know i could cherry pick the scenes that i thought worked but i don't we've, we've already talked enough about it i don't want to like start picking scene from scene oh uh, this scene i liked about 10 seconds oh i liked 60 seconds of the, you know so altogether you liked about 30 minutes of this film <laughs> 15 minutes maybe i'll say my viewing advice for monster in a closet is if you're gonna watch it Booze yourself up. This is a good boozer. This is a very good booze movie. Or you get yourself a, a, a big uh, Jaybird or a Bull Boy and you fucking <laughs> hit that up. Oh, boy, that's a good time. That's probably a better recommendation because this movie will be just become basically just a goofy montage of bullshit for you. I was drinking some Bastille watching this last night, and I was loving it. I was loving life. Again, like... This is this is like comfort movie for me. This is like comfort food. I should have gotten some legal greens here in Las Vegas and watched it. You mean Brussels sprouts? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, watch out. Connor's on the Brussels sprouts again. Oh, my God. Connor's been smoking broccoli. Hide your cat. I mean, if I had some broccoli, I could have eaten that to distract me from how bad this movie was. Oh, go on. I'm not sure what to say about that because I hate broccoli, but I certainly don't love this movie, so... So that's it. That's Monster in the Closet, directed by Bob Dolan from 1986. If you want some more bad movie goodness, you can check us out at moviedumpsterpodcast.com. Follow us at Movie Dumpster on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also check out our sister podcast, The Phantom Zone, hosted by our very own Connor McGraw. You can find them at phantomzonepodcast.wordpress.com. 
I'm Joel Escola. I'm Sean O'Rourke. And I'm Connor McGraw. Thanks for visiting the dumpster. You know, General, there's more than one way to save lives. But when I was a young boy, I, I once found a frog. Now, I could have taken that frog and... Read frogs? What do I give a ding-dong about frogs? For Christ's sake! Get back in the ballgame, Pennyfinger.